Do you have a desire to help families thrive? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for skilled, passionate people to join our dynamic team. We are currently looking to fill positions in marketing, digital media, and web development at our head office in Langley, B.C. If you or someone you know feels called to be part of our dynamic team, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. He's stifling me. I, I can't live this way anymore. No matter what I do, it's never good enough for her. He's a loving husband and a good dad. Well, as long as we do everything his way. Mm, those comments reflect a really significant problem in marriages today. Uh, when a husband or wife is controlling their spouse in unhealthy ways... Today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, we're going to be examining the problems of too much control in marriage and how couples can find better, more godly ways to support each other and interact with each other. Thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, I'm sure people hear about this topic and they immediately think of that stereotype, you know, the loud, abusive husband who's a steamroller in his marriage, uh, maybe always angry, always barking orders certainly thinking the world revolves around him. Mm. And uh, if you're saying, wow, that's cutting pretty close to home, I think today's program will be for you. And to be honest, uh, there's some truth to that. Um, Some men will intimidate their wives through anger or abuse, uh, both verbally and physically. And if that's your spouse, I want to urge you to get to a safe place. Mm. We're talking about nonviolent control today, not where there's abuse in the relationship in in a physical form. And we've got to make sure that you hear me clearly that uh, if you're in that situation, get help, call focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get you pointed in a direction you can go. Uh, But today, it'll be the hope of your marriage in the future being better than it is today when your husband is controlling, angry, manipulative. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of subtle in the way it plays out, uh, but it's felt, and the spouse feels frustrated and powerless and kind of alone in the marriage. So as you clarified, Jim, this is not abuse in the traditional sense. It might be you're married to a perfectionist who has to have things a certain way. And uh, there's a lot of anxiety in that kind of a home, and that's what we'll be addressing today. That's exactly right. And we have two great folks joining us uh, who've been here before, Dr. Ron Welch and his wife, Jan. Ron is a clinical psychologist who also serves as a professor at Denver Seminary, and Jan is a special needs teacher and tutor. Uh, Ron and Jan, let me say welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. It's great to be here. You've uh, written this great book, The Controlling Husband. Uh, It's a hard subject, though. Um, I know we're going to get into your background, and I appreciate the vulnerability in which you approach this subject, because it's to help people. Let me ask you, uh, for the men listening or the wives who are married to men like you were, and uh, that controlling, narcissistic temperament, what was going on in your head? I mean, was this a place that you felt through control you could... uh, feel better about yourself? I mean, I'm not even sure how to ask that question. What were you feeling being controlling? Trying my best to not be out of control, if that makes sense. Because you feared it or what? Because I I grew up in a family where, I mean, my mom, God bless her, she was a wonderful woman, but the glass wasn't just half full, it was draining rapidly. And you could see the bad things coming around the corner, and she taught me to prepare for those. 
So I became very anxious, very nervous, and the control allowed me to try to prevent bad things from happening. Mm. Now, you got to understand at this point, I wasn't trusting other people. I didn't trust God. I needed to make sure things were okay. And so in my marriage, in my relationships, in my work, um, early in my life, I was working in the federal prison system. So I was aware of what dominant males look like. And I wasn't that guy. I wasn't the guy who enjoyed hurting women. I never have been. And I've never hurt Jan physically in any way. But man, I wanted to have things go the way I wanted them to go because I was scared to death of what would happen if I didn't have control. Right. That's really fascinating because when you look at the culture today, and if what I'm hearing you say is fear of having things in order the way you wanted them drove you to that kind of compulsive behavior, controlling mm-hmm. behavior. When you look at the amount of fear in the culture today, wow, how many people are moving in that direction out of a protection modality to want to or need to control their environment? And how many areas... How many areas of your life can you not control? Your boss is going to tell you what to do. The government or the laws and the restrictions in certain areas will tell you what to do. Oh, the pandemic. It, it, COVID, it's like, go here, wear a mask here, do that. And then suddenly you're in this relationship where it's like, oh, she's scared of me and she'll do what I say. And then it's easier. And then suddenly that selfish internal pride kicks in. And maybe some people listening don't quite understand that or that doesn't feel like who they are. But there's a lot of ways people control. Mine was manipulation and intimidation. What did that look like, just so we can get a picture of it? So here's the kind of situation. When I would ask her what she wanted for dinner, I wasn't really asking her what she wanted for dinner. I wanted to start a conversation about barbecue so that I could help her understand why barbecue is the right thing to have for dinner. Hmm. That sounds pretty manipulative, right? Because It sounds exhausting. It is. And I'm sure it was just terribly frustrating knowing cause she knew what I was doing, but her story is that she was okay with that and went along with it. That sounds well, pretty simplistic, can I though. Can in that, yeah. though? If I chose what I wanted, it would be miserable because mm. you would go there and your partner would be like, oh, this service is horrible, but this food is just... So you start learning. If I have a choice, I don't really have a choice. So it Because it's going to make him. it... Well, it makes it awful for you because you chose this place and they're complaining the whole time. So, Why would you put yourself mm-hmm. through that again? So that's guilt. I mean, yeah. they start loading the guilt. Why did you pick this place? The exactly. service is terrible. The so food you, is terrible. you learn after the first time, I'm not going to choose because if I choose wrong, then I'm going to... Yeah. Uh, Jen, I do want to come back to your uh, romance, your meeting, Ron, and it was a, a whirlwind experience. <laughs> exactly. I mean, in some ways, were there red flags or did you just blow by them? And you, describe both. your courtship and how long both. it lasted. Well, within the first four days, we were looking at wedding rings on, the, I think, the fifth day. Our That's pretty rings. fast. That's pretty fast. <laughs> Did um, anybody in your sphere say, Jan, uh, you may want to slow this down a little bit? Not really, because my family was in Texas, and we didn't have cell phones and those kind of communicative things. But we were in a class at DU, and um, we did a project together. Next thing I know, we were going out. And by the time we came back to that once-a-week class, we were engaged. Huh. Yeah, so that was fast. That was very to, fast. To be fair, this is an example of one of those warning signs. She had been flirting me with me during the class, so I said, well, I need to get those points back. I was taking down points while she was flirting, and I said, you know, if we go out, that'll, I'll get the points back. But I went out to the hallway and asked her for a quarter, and she's like, why do you need a quarter? We still had quarters and phones back then. 
and I saw I got to call somebody. If I was going to go out with her on Thursday, I had to move the girl that I already had to another day. So I was trying to call that girl to move that with girl. her quarter, with, with her there, quarter. with her quarter. <laughs> so I don't look real good in that kind of story, but that would be a red flag to say, "Wait a second, you know." And, and she looked up at me because I was going to well, go to a movie with the other girl. And the I thought, line well, was busy. I never reached. And so we her. sat down. And I was asking, who are you calling? And it was Tuesday, so we had dollar night back then. <laughs> and and he told me, and I, I was like, I thought he was a nice guy. And then I look up and I go, I like movies. <laughs> and we've never been apart. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. But you stepped Young into Sherlock the, Holmes, uh, thank the, you very the much. <laughs> fast lane in that relationship. Now, the, the flip side to that that isn't the good part is that I was so anxious to get married because I knew if she got to know me, there was no chance of her marrying me. Hmm. And, and, I, and I say that with all true. honesty. I just I knew as lo- the longer it took, she was going to see how poor a husband choice I was, and she wouldn't want me. Um, and so I I wish there was a different story to that, but I was just so insecure. Wow! Uh, and we're going to continue your story. Obviously, I do want to get to some of the concepts in the book, sure. and we'll pick up you know kind of where you went as a couple. But you, Ron, describe in your book uh, the controlling husband, how men tend to be like wolves. Uh, speak to that. I mean, obviously, there's things in nature that we can identify with, but what were you getting at? Well, we're alphas, right? It's, there's from the day one, it's in T-ball, we have competitive teams and people are being like drafted at age 10 in baseball teams, you know, and, and you have violent, strong, aggressive physical behavior leads you to be the best player on the team or whatever. Uh, in work environments, it's the person who takes the initiative and does well that gets rewarded with the promotions. In church organizations, if you're active and you're out there and you're getting things done, then you're seen as a, as a godly man who's moving things forward. But that's the exact opposite of the kind of selfless, other-focused man God calls us to be. And so the wolf is the idea that you're going to try to be in charge and in control because that's what society teaches you you need to be. Unfortunately, I don't think our societal structures are bringing men up very well. And honestly, I'm not sure in many ways that the church is not participating in some of those structures. Yeah, we want to explore those things. But um, also, you do talk about this idea that some women can also dominate and control. And I want to make sure that people hear that. We're not man bashing. Uh, The point is, I just think, speak to the idea that some women too can be those manipulators, those controllers. It's not a a one gender only area. Sure. It's personality style, right? I mean, all of us have different ways that we gain control. Some people do it passively. Some people do it very in the front door, kind of Mm -hmm. knock down the front door. But there's a a number of ways people can control. And in some cases, uh, in my practice over the years, I've seen every imaginable type of control from people withholding sexual interactions to people um, refusing to talk, giving the silent treatment. There's lots of ways that you can be the dominant partner, regardless of what gender you are. Let me ask this, though, as a clarifying point. Are there some things that you should control for good reasons and godly reasons. I mean, I would think that you just can't be a mat that people walk on. You know, there's that whole learned helplessness concept. Jan and I talk about this a lot where I've tried rocking the boat and it's not working. Hmm. So in the areas where you feel it's part of the principle and character of who you are, those areas you should control. If you want to be a provider in the household as a man, then you should work your tail off at work and provide and do a really good job as, as God expects you to do. But if that's going to mean you're working 80 hours and you're not home for your family and you're never around and when you are, your attitude and your, your countenance is mean and frustrated and tired, 
then man, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, is this job worth it? The yeah. way I am, that's not okay. When you're in a controlling relationship, it starts off very slowly. As it moves on, you're kind of used to it, and then you get smaller and smaller, and it's just, oh, okay, this is the way my life is going to go. It's not you know, banging you on the head and then taking control like a caveman. In our relationship, it was gradually, mm-hmm. like um, giving up friends, yeah. isolation, those are some of the earlier signs, I think, yeah. to be so aware of. Did you become that doormat that Jim was talking about? Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it was more fear as well, because if I didn't do something the right way, you know, he'd get upset. And mm-hmm. I didn't want him to get upset, so you try and do everything you can so he doesn't get upset. Jen, how how long was that struggle, though? How many years mm-hmm. did you We live? disagree. Mine is longer than his. <laughs> well, what would, you know, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. What's your I recollection? I would say... 16? Mm-hmm. 16 years. Or if not a few years more. All right. But. So I need to ask that question that some women who might be living with that kind of yeah. husband is saying right now, they're maybe even contemplating divorcing. And they're saying to you, I can't believe it, Jen. Why would you do that for 16 years? Because they're not always that way. There's so many wonderful, great qualities. So glimpses of hope. Yes. That was my kind of motto. If you had to say anything, hope, hope and faith were my motto. I really believe God put us in this relationship for a reason, and maybe it wasn't perfect now, but my kids were happy. I'm from a divorced family. That was not an option, mm-hmm. and I would have stu- – I mean, I wasn't happy for a really long time, but as long as those people around me were happy, I was willing to – I don't want to say sacrifice, but I was okay with that. Is there something there, Ron, uh, and I, what I mean is clinically, when you have a woman who's willing to absorb a lot? I mean, spiritually, it's angelic. I mean, you're taking all of this. But is there a line where a person needs to advocate for themselves mm-hmm. and and not just roll over, hoping that you might send a morsel her way? Yeah, this is it's hard to hear her talk, because when I think about the number of years that I put her through that, it's my largest regret of anything in my life. But mm-hmm. the reality is that she was used to that from some pretty controlling, strong father figure images and interactions. And from my perspective as a therapist, I look at that and I say, there is going to be a point where you may be the last person to see it because it feels so familiar. Yeah. And even if it's not healthy, it feels right. kind of like what you know. That's to your conditioning point a moment ago. It is. And so I think that's where if I had been living my life the way God called me to be, I would be that partner that's trying to help bring her closer to God and build her up. And I would have been saying, oh, this is not okay. Look at how she's feeling. Look how miserable she is. I wasn't mature enough, and I was still um, very, very unable to deal with my own needs, let alone take care of her. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Today's media culture can sometimes send confusing messages to our children. That's why Focus on the Family Canada offers tools like PluggedIn.ca to keep parents informed about today's popular entertainment choices. Each month, PluggedIn.ca is visited close to one million times by people looking for detailed information on popular music, movies, TV, and more. Entertainment ratings only tell you so much. We go deeper, diving into specific content and the meaning behind it. Visit us online at PluggedIn.ca. Did you know that when you buy resources from Focus on the Family Canada, your purchase helps strengthen marriages, equip parents, defend biblical principles, and more? 
Plus, we carefully select every item, which means you will only encounter quality, biblically sound resources that are safe for the whole family. Help give back to Canadian families by shopping at Focus on the Family Canada. Find biblically based resources for your family at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Ron, I'm sure some people are still struggling to understand, you know, what are the descriptors for me? Because you don't know you're doing it necessarily. You feel comfortable Mm -hmm. controlling because it's reducing the fear level in you. Mm -hmm. Um, What were some of those indicators, again, uh, that really began, you, you began to notice what was true and what was false? I think one of the best indicators is how are decisions made? When something comes up in a discussion, who wins? Is it a win-lose situation, or do you really try to find door number three and come up with an awesome compromise, or is it, yeah, I need to prove my point? Hmm. And any time a guy or even a woman, whoever's controlling in the relationship, feels like I'm trying to win the battle, boy, you got to check yourself because that's a huge warning sign. Another is if the partner comes away from the conversation less than or belittled or depressed or sad you got to look at yourself and say, okay, so the sum total of that conversation was my wife feels like I don't love her. Well, that didn't work. It also, you know, some of these signals can come up in really different ways. There was a humorous story in your book where you talked about moving to Colorado. <laughs> and I think your son, who was really young at the time, three or so, mm-hmm. you had, which I actually thought, what a brilliant system. You had all your moving <laughs> boxes and you put stick colored stickers for each room, like kitchen, bedroom, living room. By the way, way to go. I think that's great. <laughs> but your three-year-old son had a different plan for that, right? What happened Yes, to it was hilarious. We, um, he actually had a two system, so we had a double oh, code. Oh, a double system. <laughs> it was a double code. And so my three-year-old was following him. And I was watching, and he was taking – he put them on, he'd take them off. He'd put them on himself, he'd put on another box. So <laughs> and Ron didn't know he was no, taking no them idea. off. You he were the intense. whole house. And then he came back through, and he was like, why is this color? It's the wrong color. And Brevin comes around the corner – Dot, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like another dot? Brevin. That's a great Brevin. name, too, Thank by the you. way. Brevin. Britain but, and Brevin. But that is also a subtle way to see where you're at and what's happening in your life. Think of the opportunity to be a joyful participant in this wonderful family experience. How did you respond to him? I was a jerk. I was angry, and I was intense, and I was mad at Jan for laughing, and why are you so... That's hilarious. And, and, of course, at that point, she was so far into <laughs> hilarity, she couldn't stop. But I, I just, I look back on that, I think, and this was not a single episode. This is the kind of way I reacted, because it threatened my control, and that's just sad in retrospect. 
Well, yeah, but these are the signals that need to wake us up to yeah. these triggers that are going on. Jen, let me dig in a bit on your side of the story. And I want to hear the emotion of what you were going through, the rationalization. Uh, help us better understand that. Because I, I just want to know your heart better that way. You have such tenderness. Thank you. And you're, you know, you're wanting, and this is so true of women that I have found. Certainly my wife is this person. Yeah. They're so concerned about everybody around them exactly. that they're willing to sacrifice themselves. They're willing to sacrifice their joy, their happiness for others because they have this innate desire to do so. I think it's, you know, that mothering instinct, right? I'll I probably totally get crit agree. on that. But yeah, probably. But, it, it, but Yeah. yeah so it, how were you managing all that emotion? Am I in a good place because I'm giving of myself? Lord, are you happy with me because I'm acting in a selfless way? There's a lot of spiritual messiness in this. I think so as well. I've had kind of a challenging relationship with God because I I didn't feel worthy. And so why would God love me when I don't feel like I'm lovable? And so I think part of that was by trying to give so much that maybe I would become something lovable. And when you're wow. in a relay, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, that no, doesn't make sense. No, that's powerful, but I bet a lot of women are motivated in that way. Yes. You want to help others. And I think that whether you're a man or a woman. Um, and I didn't understand a lot behind his controlling, but I was so in love with him that if I could do things that would make his life better and therefore I wouldn't have to have the fear or the being, because there's always somebody in a relationship that brings up conflict. I am not that person. Hmm. Right. I'm a bury my head in the sand. I don't want to see it. I don't want to acknowledge it. We can it. just get along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was more like if something wasn't working, he would had no problem bringing up things. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Um, so I think part of it was trying to avoid those times if I could just get everything done right the first time. And when you have children, you want them to be happy. So it's very easy to put your spouse and your children, your community, your church ahead of things. And I was okay with that. Yeah. But well, now it, I'm not. Yeah, and so in some ways... It's not It's not a good thing. It, it's the source, it sounds like, the source from which that comes from. Exactly. If it's low self-esteem, yes. I can become more worthy because I can do these things. That's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. And if you're doing it in a healthy fashion, it's because God calls me to do these things sacrificially. Yes. And you are then willing and giving out of that. I, that's a healthier perspective. We are right near the end here, and I do want to get into the healing perspective. I mean, again, 16 years. Okay, Ron, how long did you think it took? (laughs) He's like four or five. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, she's right. I mean, it took a long, long time because each time I started to think, I remember very clearly a, a point where I saw my son starting to talk to her the way I did and telling her, why weren't you here at this time? And I gave him the dad talk about, you know, don't talk to your mother that way. And God just slapped me across the face and said, who do you think is teaching these principles to your sons? Mm. And I thought about generational sin and I thought about, you know, how many, how many further generations of our family are going to treat women that way? And at that point, I started realizing that I was so out of line with where God wanted me to be. But that wasn't just about my relationship with Jan. It was my relationship with other people, with God. I just wanted so badly to be in the driver's seat. So how did that, you know, you look at that, some people, even in their salvation with Jesus, it's a moment. They could point to it. They can tell you the time. And then with others, it's almost like a rolling situation where it was drops of water over a long period of time that 
then on one day, boom, it made sense to me and I gave my life to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I would think even in the cleansing of our bad habits, it's very similar. Some people will have an epiphany. I've heard of people, alcoholics, that just gave it up in one day. It was done. And then others who it was, I might say, like a rolling epiphany. It took time, and it sounds like that was true for you. And then how did you get up when you stumbled, when you were back into the control, saying, Lord, why am I doing that? How, how do you manage that process to hopefully end up in a better place? You know what's great about God is he takes your attempts to try and become the man he wants you to be, and he says, you're giving it your best shot. Let me make it a little easier the next time. Let me remind you how you felt the last time. I would see the look in her eyes that was different. And it wasn't like she believed me after maybe three or four times. It was probably five or six years after those 16 years she talked about where I believe she started thinking I could actually change. That wasn't very quick. It took a long time for her to believe that I was capable of change. And Jan, right here at the end, I want to get that perspective from you. Uh, The skepticism you may have had, the hope you had, the back to skepticism, the hope. Women are living in that right now. With it, their husbands. Exactly. And it's now that we're on the far side of it, you can look back and you can see those attempts. But when you're still in it, it takes you back to all of the other times that you were in that situation. Um, I wish I could say that I was like, yay, and I believe this. And um, now I do because I, I've seen that. But it's really hard at the time <laughs> to be like, oh, it's going to yeah, work. Yeah, and stay encouraged. Mm-hmm. But that was such a beautiful thing, Ron, the way you said you could look into Jan's eyes and her face and see as a barometer. And you don't forget. You don't forget the way she used to look at me. Uh And I don't forget the fear and the sadness and how I reminded her of past experiences. So there's something about being able to move toward the way God wants you to be that your soul just lifts and it's like, oh, I, I could be that guy. And then you start realizing it feels so much better to let God handle the control and the fear than trying to deal with it yourself. Well, and the biblical mandates in marriage are pretty amazing. And I know that in this culture today, you know, they seem controversial, but actually they're quite amazing and they work well when both people are functioning yeah. in a healthy way. It's the best husbands, model out there, isn't it? Husbands laying their lives down yeah. for their wives and wives respecting their husbands. I mean, it, it's the right formula. It's God's yeah. DNA. It's his plan in us spiritually. Yeah. And when we apply it, it works well. And if you're in that spot where you're screaming at me right now, mm-hmm. even hearing that, you need to get a hold of us. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, talk to one of our caring Christian counselors. Um, get the book uh, by Ron Welch, The Controlling Husband. That's going to give you many more ideas on things you can do. And if you're the controlling wife, I'm sure you haven't written that book yet, Ron, but <laughs> yeah. I'm sure those concepts will yeah. apply to you. And if you can, order the resource from Focus on the Family Canada, because again, all those proceeds go right back into ministering to married couples who are in trouble, uh, parents who need help in their parenting, as well as saving babies across Canada. So join us. Be a part of Focus on the Family Canada today. Yeah, reach out to us today. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. And uh, we also have a lot of great uh, details, additional resources, and more uh, about Ron's book, The Controlling Husband. Uh, It's all at focusonthefamily.ca. Ron and Jan, again, I want to say thank you for all that you've done and, you know, just exposing this to people. (laughs) It's, It's very courageous to do that, to take your weakest elements of your relationship 
thank the Lord behind you, but to still lay those out there on a table for others to mm-hmm. see. It says a lot about your heart to want to help others as a counselor, Ron, and Jan certainly as his spouse. <laughs> yes. Um, you we know, walk the walk. You walk it all the time, and people are going to talk to you about it. But thank you for that mm-hmm. vulnerability, and thank you for putting in the, the time to write this great book, The Controlling Husband, which takes a lot of humility, Ron, to lay it out there. So thank you. To be fair, I tell my students at Denver Seminary, if I'm going to ask them to be honest, I've got to share my life and my journey. So hopefully sharing it with you all lets people learn and grow in their relationship with the Lord. Man, you've come a long way. Yeah. Still on a journey. I consider myself a recovering, controlling husband. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Great to have you. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Mm. And thank you for joining us as a listener today. Uh, We trust that you'll have a great weekend ahead with your family and your church family as well. And on Monday, we'll have some help for engaged couples to prepare for the good, the bad, and the sometimes ugly side of marriage. And I had our clothes. And I remember looking at these vomited clothes, clothes with, I was looking at these clothes with vomit all (laughs) over them. And at 19, I looked down and I thought to myself, this is marriage. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.